That's the church that John's talking about. That's you, that's me in Larimer County, believing in Jesus and trying to follow him together. Can you believe it? That's something no one could have foreseen. And the Lord's grace is so much more, so much more mighty than we might have imagined. But here we are. And today I'm going to talk with you about uh, something that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a topic that for some of us, it's just old hat. We don't even think about it. But for some of us, it's just kind of yuck. Uh, today's a very important day, as, as we've already said, with church membership. But there's something going on additionally that everyone should be aware of. And so baptism, you know, it's, it sort of signals our belonging to Christ. But I was baptized into chief country uh, as a child and wore the colors. Uh, there's a few of you out there. there. There were a few Bills fans last service. There's some, some other folks who are, who are rooting for some other teams that aren't in the playoffs. And I, uh, but uh, that was mean, wasn't it? But, you know, but that's okay, you know, because it'll come around, you know. Uh, but as I think about rooting for a team, as I think about uh, cheering on the Chiefs today, or if you're cheering on the Bills, or if you don't even care, I think of moments in a, in, in a football game. If you've ever watched a game and been really into it, you are so into it. And when every good play happens, you're like, yes! And when every terrible play happens, no! You know, you've, you've been right there. And then there's a moment in the game. Maybe a coach has a harebrained idea. He's going to pull out a trick play, something surprising. And they do something that everyone expects. Smash mouth football, eye formation, right up the middle with the fullback. But then the fullback turns around and sweeps back to the quarterback. It's a flea flicker, and he's going to throw it downfield. The long bomb, Hail Mary, hoping they get it. And it could be the best idea the coach has ever had. Or it could be the moment that everyone's going to remember. That one time in 1976, you know, right? When Pastor Dave fell off the stage. But no, when, when, <laughs> when that one time, <laughs> that one time, they're going to remember it forever. And that's sort of like what's happening today. We are dressed not in, in chief's colors, but we're dressed in the robes of Christ's righteousness, we who look to him. We've, we've received a mark, a washing, a visible marking in baptism that says we belong to God and to his people. And when I look at the church sometimes, you, you see what, you, what we should expect, right? Eye formation right up the middle, holding to God's word, faithful in every generation to what God says. But in our generation, something that we're not expecting is the sudden move of actually showing forth who God is. This, this surprising sweep back to the quarterback and a long bomb. We're going to actually try to be faithful not only to what the word says, but to try to apply it and show the world Christ. And it's a surprise, isn't it? When we have both of those happening at the same time. But inevitably, we who are members of churches... If you've committed to any church at any point in time, there's, there's great celebration. There's the, whoo, yes, the touchdown, the baptism, the new life, the repentance, the restored marriage, right? The faithful life lived to the end and the celebration at the funeral. And then there's the moments where you kind of want to hide it and there's a scandal and your church is on TV or another church is on TV. Remember, we've got the same jersey. <laughs> 
there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and suddenly those, those Christian colors, that Christian baptism, that jersey, <laughs> it may not feel like, you know, like you want to be identified with those people, but that's your people, that's your team on the winning Sunday <laughs> and on the losing Sunday and every day between. And so I'm asking with you, why church membership? Because Jesus is just attractive, right? He's amazing. He's glorious. We're drawn to him. But then when pastor starts to talk about church membership, it's like, ugh, yuck. Why, why would we even want to think about that? Just sounds gross to some of us. Some of us don't feel that way, but many of us perhaps do. Many of our neighbors certainly do. There's a lot of feelings that come with that. Maybe it's past experience. Maybe it's just what we've seen on TV. Maybe we saw our parents go through it. I don't know what your story is. But why church membership? Why would we do this? And the simple answer I'm going to say today from the scriptures is that it's good for you. It's good for you. And it's good for me. It's the Lord's plan for your growth as a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's his plan to reach the world with the good news of Jesus, and it's basically impossible to follow Jesus obediently without committing to a local body of believers in a church. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll, we'll ask this question together. Why church membership? Father, uh, please bless us today. Bless especially the people who've made this commitment today. Uh, Lord, who are not just uh, watching from the stands, but are actually getting involved in your, your work here in a formal way. Uh, bless and keep them. And bless all of us as we look to your word and we consider this question. Lord, open our eyes by your Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why church membership? It's good for you. I, I think of uh, what is church membership. That's probably the first place to go. What is church membership? One of the first reasons why we would doubt that church membership is good for us is because we associate membership with country club membership or some sort of like credit card membership, like platinum card membership. But membership in Christ's body, we learn, uh, is, is actually like being a hand attached to an arm. It's, it's like being parts of a living, breathing body. And the picture Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 is, is that of a body that's growing together. And each part is important to serve the rest of the parts. You may think a pinky's not important until you try to play football and be a wide receiver and catch a ball, right? You'd like to have a pinky. The pinky matters. But Christ is the head. Our life flows from him, our authority from him. And so, all that church membership really is, is it's life together in Christ. If you're a note taker today, that's what church membership is. It's life together in Christ. And the way that we do that here at Faith Church is a way of doing church membership. This is the second thing that I would like to say to you who have doubts about whether church membership is good. Many of those doubts might come because uh, it might be proclaimed at times as though there's only one way and that a particular church has it the right way, and you must do it their way. We, are, uh, we happen to be a Presbyterian church in form of government. That means we're elder-led, and we have a, a certain uh, flow of Christian history that, that we're in that stream. And so our form of church membership is an improvisation on what we see in Scripture. The Scriptures are the script. 
This new moment, this new place is the stage, and we're just seeking to live out that script faithfully. This is a, a tested way of playing out the script of Scripture with respect to life together in Christ. And so we, uh, we take vows together. We commit to one another because these are good for us. They commit us to true truth and to the true Savior and to true love for one another. These things are good for us, so we, we seek to do this. There's no command in Scripture that you need to be a member of Faith Church Loveland. It's not there. But there are commands in Scripture that you won't fulfill if you don't become a part of a church. Who are you going to love? Jesus says, you'll, they'll know you're my disciples by what? By the love you have for one another. Who's one another? It's the fellow Christians. So somewhere, commit yourself to love fellow believers. Show forth that love. There's a lot more. I have a page of them. I'm not going to go through them. But in our church, you just saw this, we take these vows. And I'm just going to go through these vows, and I'm going to go through Mark. If you haven't opened your uh, Bible earlier to Mark, uh, you can open it now to Mark chapter 1. And we're going to consider these vows that we take. Why it's good for us. The first vow is this. Do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God and without hope for your salvation except in his sovereign mercy? The first question we ask is, do you understand yourself? Do you understand who you are in relation to God? If you remember, Jesus, it's a wonder, isn't it? Fully God, fully human. He goes down into the water. And who's around him? Verse 4, John has appeared. He's the messenger that was mentioned in the verses before. He's baptizing in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for what? For the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. All of these people, the way that they became ready for the gospel was to own who they were. They're sinners. We failed in words and ways. Thought, word, and deed. We failed to honor God. We just own that. <laughs> and whenever you encounter Jesus and have a true encounter of him, that's an inevitable conclusion because he is perfect holiness. And yet he would come in contact with sinners, come in the water with them, be baptized for them so that we could follow in his footsteps, united to him by faith. So we're a community that confesses we're sinners. But then we take a turn from our sin to the Savior. Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the Savior of sinners? And do you receive and depend upon him alone for your salvation as he is offered in the gospel? Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? The one we find in the scriptures, the historic one, God in flesh. Do you believe in him? In verse 1, the beginning of the gospel, good news, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. From the very outset, Mark is very clear about what he's going to tell us about. Good news about Jesus, the Messiah, a king who's coming to reign, but no mere king, the Son of God. And even if you have a footnote in a modern English translation that says that Son of God may not have been in your earliest translations, it may not have been. Even if it was inserted later, Son of God appears throughout the rest of the gospel according to Mark and the rest of the New Testament. And it's clear from the next verse that Jesus is, is not merely some great king or some great teacher. 
What does it say? As it's written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way for whom? Prepare the way of the Lord. Kurios is the word in this language in Greek. It's translating the Hebrew word. Isaiah wrote in Hebrew, spoke in Hebrew. And there he would write Yahweh. But Jewish people would not read Yahweh because the name is holy. And they will not take the name of the Lord their God in vain. And so they would say Adonai, which means Lord. And so the Greek translators would translate Adonai, the Hebrew word for Lord, into kurios. Long story short, this is God. Jesus is God coming to earth. When I was in seminary, I was mentored in a church that was in an area of St. Louis that was very progressive. And there were many churches there. Uh, but my pastor shared about his first experience in a pastor's fellowship. In a pastor's fellowship, inevitably, you have conversations and you're trying to feel out what measure of fellowship can we really have with one another? What is our common ground? Uh, and as he introduced himself, uh, that someone asked him a question, something like, what tradition do you come from or something like that? And he said, well, I'm a Christian that believes that Jesus is God who became flesh that he lived a perfect, sinless life, that he died on the cross for our sins, rose again from the grave historically and bodily, and that he'll come again to renew the earth and establish his kingdom forever. Something like that. He gave an outline of that. And the person then turned and said, oh, you're that kind of Christian. <laughs> because increasingly, Christians who identify with the historic Jesus of the scriptures. We're becoming fewer in culture. But this is what we believe, and it's good to believe in the true one, not one we create in our image. <laughs> we look to Jesus in the scriptures. Thirdly, we promise and resolve in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit to endeavor to live as becomes the followers of Christ. I'm going to point us a, a verse beyond what uh, John uh, read for us earlier, starting in verse 12. It's right after these wondrous words that I hope you will hear over you today as you look to Jesus. Jesus got to hear the words of God coming up from the water. You're my beloved son. With you, I'm well pleased. But then the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan, fully human, tested Tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. The Son of God was dependent on the Holy Spirit to resist evil and to honor the Lord. The Lord had to endeavor. <laughs> the Lord gave effort. What a wonder. And so we seek in him, in union with him, as, he, as we follow him throughout our lives, throughout whatever wilderness he calls us to, to follow him and to resist the devil. In fact, those are the traditional baptismal vows that we renounce the devil in his ways. We didn't say that today, but that is implied. Fourth, do you promise to serve Christ in his church by supporting and participating with this congregation in its service of God and its ministry to others to the best of your ability? 
Again, we remember when we come into the waters of baptism that we're not alone. And we remember in the verses immediately following what I just read, starting in verse 15, Jesus said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. When the Lord said repent, he said, Y'all repent. Second person plural. Y'all. All of y'all. He's talking to a group of people. Multitude. He is talking to you as an individual, as a member within that. Your individual repentance and faith matters. But it is an individual repentance and faith lived out in a community where we serve, where we grow, where the kingdom is made manifest, where we learn Christ's words and ways and we try to show them to one another. And last, there's this terrible vow. Do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the evangelical Presbyterian church and to the spiritual oversight of this church session? Session is just the elders when they gather together. And do you promise to promote the unity, purity, and peace of the church? Submit? Discipline? Ugh. Right? Those are words that we don't like naturally. I don't know if any human at any time really was fond of those words. And we've seen those words abused, I imagine. But first, I just encourage you to envision, what if these could have some good for you? There's a, a place in scripture, in Philippians 4, there's a conflict going on between two leaders in the church, Iodia and Syntyche. And one of Paul's instructions to them is to let your reasonableness be known to everyone. In other words, in the midst of conflict, logic matters. Thinking carefully matters. Reason matters. Let's be reasonable. So one of the, the, the hard things to do is to think reasonably, especially when you have to untangle things from your story and you've felt deeply about things. Maybe you've felt deeply about God talkers like me saying words like submit or words like discipline. But I invite you right now to try to reasonably, if you can, untangle some of that from the good purpose that God has. There's, a, there's an old logic statement. Abuse does not take away use. Abuse of a thing doesn't take away its proper use. A screwdriver, right? It can be misused in a whole host of ways, right? When, when, when one of our kids grabs hold of a, a screwdriver and starts carving into our kitchen table or something, that's a misuse, right? If they whack their sister, that's a misuse. It's not what a screwdriver is meant for. But without a screwdriver, you're going to be pretty lost as far as home maintenance goes, right? It's one of your basics, you're not going to be able to encounter hardly any problems that you're going to encounter in your home. In the same way with the church, oh yes, church authority can be misused. And many of you have known that. And I'm sorry for that. But church authority is good for us. We need to be reminded that Jesus said, repent. Because I'll speak in I terms for a moment. When I have been at my most rebellious... When I have been living in a pattern of sin and I didn't want somebody to tell me, I wasn't turning in my Bible to Mark chapter 1 verse 15 to hear Jesus tell me, repent. I needed brothers and sisters in Christ. I needed a strong, gracious hand from a pastor who could meet with me and could help me to hear Jesus say, repent, turn. There's a better way. There's life. There's true goodness. And that's what we seek to do. Our leaders here are not here to merely say, submit to us. <laughs> We're seeking to say, listen to Jesus. <laughs> if 
the tone of our message becomes different than that, then you need to tell us. We need to hear it. We're called to lead you with the mind of Christ and with his ways. And that's what we'll seek humbly to do (laughs) and imperfectly. But that's what we're asking you to submit to with us is to let us, when we need to, tell you, this is what Jesus has said. Are you still going to follow him? You said you would. But we're in the middle of that play. It's the flea flicker, right? And the ball's in the air. And today I feel like we've hit a touchdown together. We've gotten to see people come to faith. There will be days ahead where we have some rough days, but this will still be our team. And we won't be just calling the game from the stands or from behind a screen. We're, we're on the field together. We're in this. We're wearing the jersey because we know that Christ is the one who has robed us himself in his righteousness. We belong to him. And he loves this church so much that he laid down his life for you all and even for me. If he loves her that much, we might need to learn a little bit of his love. And so I invite you today, if you find the word or the phrase church membership to be kind of gross, to be scary, if it brings back trauma or hurt in your story, I invite you to reconsider with the help of Christ and his word, maybe with the help of one of us, someone you feel is safe, come and talk to us about what it means to be a part of a local fellowship. It doesn't have to be here, but follow Jesus with believers somewhere because the Christian life isn't meant to be done alone. We want to see you thrive and flourish in Christ. And for those who are members of the church, I invite you to renew your commitment to Christ and to his people and to his mission. That's what we're about here. We're seeking to honor him, to know and show the enduring truth and love of Jesus Christ by being a disciple-making family for Loveland in the world right here. So let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that we have this chance to be on the field, that you would include us on your team, Lord. I never would have called me over, but you called us over to serve with you, Lord. I pray that we could give the world a, a clear picture of Jesus, that you'd help us to repent and turn from our sin, from all the ways that we break love over our knee, that we might learn a new love in him, a true love for you, a true love for one another, even for enemies. Help us in this, Lord. We want to be a surprise to the world, faithful to your word and faithful to your love. And we ask that in Jesus' name, amen.